Thanks, Braden. He always does a great job. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Again, glad to see everyone. Glad you're here. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Wednesday night, we had a good crowd. My goodness. Uh, hundred Basically, 150 in Awana. And that wasn't even including the adults in my adult Bible study here that we have on the auditorium. We would love to have you. I know you're tired. Matter of fact, uh, a lot of the people that come to uh, Awana and the workers, obviously, and, of course, the ones who come to the, the uh, Bible study over here that I try to make as applicable and as interesting as I can, well, they're just exhausted. I mean, a lot of people come, they're exhausted. Well, that, And I'm proud of them. It's easy just to be too tired to come to church. And, and we, matter of fact, we talked about that one Sunday about being tired and how that life, just life is exhausting. But it was a great, uh, Wednesday, a great, uh, number. And I want to also encourage you, uh, you may be tired this morning from whatever you did yesterday. Uh, many of you took the opportunity, we did, to work in the yard and whatnot. And uh, so, but you made it here. A lot of times, did you know you start preparing to worship on Saturday? For what you're going to do on Sunday, you start preparing on a Saturday. And so praying, not prayers obviously needed, but also saying, well, you know what? I need to get in bed at a decent time in order that I can worship. And But it's just preparation. It's just preparation. Did you know this in the Bible? This is always true. This is a principle you will always find, always in the Bible. Listen to this very closely. It's not rocket science, but it's true. Right out of the Bible. Preparation precedes blessing. Preparation precedes blessings. And, uh, of course, those blessings coming uh, from the Lord. All right. Let's, uh, if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 11, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Thank you. Or standing, just uh, reading along with me, listening. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see the blind Receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity that is taken for granted here in the United States, and that is simply gathering together, worshiping, and reading your word together. Many countries are not allowed to do this this morning. Many countries do not allow this to be done in open forums and open public places. I thank you that we still have that privilege today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing reading that. We're going to stay there most of the time. I do have some other verses. We'll be headed to Isaiah in just a second. Just a real quick note. And uh, it says in our bulletin as my typo, because all I do is send it to Denise, and she prints it. So any typos usually, obviously, are my fault. 
But Isaiah 28:18 is actually 29:18. So if you want to head there in just a second, but uh, <clears throat> you know, there's some neat things that we can glean from this. And and as I was uh, just kind of, we don't have really a series going, obviously, on Sunday morning right now, and just praying about different things to speak because you just go anywhere. Uh, but sometimes there's so many things in the Bible to speak on, to preach about that. Uh, you say, well, I just don't know what to preach. Uh, there's so many, I mean, you can preach on everything from, uh, you know, speaking of John the Baptist and in our introduction, I have in there, number one, uh, who was John the Baptist? What was his ministry? What was his message? And he is an interesting man, an awesome man. Matter of fact, I love the way it's stated in John, the Gospel of John chapter 1, The Word of God says this. It says, there was a man sent from God. Period. Not a period there, but you could put a period there. (laughs) And that means a lot. There was a man sent from God. And it says this, if you keep reading it in John chapter 1, whose name was John. There was a man sent. So this fellow, he had the authority to preach the message that he had. Now, what was his ministry? Now, according to... And there's a bunch of scriptures we could turn to. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, also the very last of Malachi. It talks about there would become one like the, the ministry of Elijah preaching. Matter of fact, John, excuse me, Jesus speaks of John the Baptist here as the last of the prophets. So he's closing out an age. And if you read over in, uh, John chapter 3, we find this out. We find that John saying this, Jesus, I'm preaching, and John the Baptist had disciples or followers. And his ministry was to get everybody ready for Jesus to come in and establish a local New Testament church. They had never heard of church before. Do you know that? In Old Testament, they worshiped totally different. And so God sending this man with a special assignment, get everybody ready for my son to come. As a matter of fact, John said this of Jesus, there's one, I'm baptizing you with water. In other words, and let's go ahead and use the word what it means. Baptism means immerse. And that's literally what John was saying. I immerse or dip you with water, but there's coming somebody who's going to immerse you in fire and in judgment with a message, and he's coming, and I don't even deserve to tie his shoes. And so he had an awesome message, but this fellow was unpopular, this fellow was unpolished, this fellow was uh, uncouth, this fellow just had no uh, uh, political correctness. You know, we're always, you know what political correctness means? Don't say anything to offend anybody. (laughs) That's what political correctness means. But John was not politically correct because he was telling it like it is. He was saying, and basically he was talking, he talked about the presidents. He talked about the governors. He talked about what was right and what was wrong. And he had authority to do that. Because guess what? He was, what does it say? There was a man sent from God. You know, now we put, uh, we believe in, in the authority of a local New Testament church because Jesus gave that authority to each local New Testament church to follow His commandments and carry out the Great Commission. Now, there was no church 
to vote to give John the authority to baptize. So where did John get his authority? He got it straight from God. <laughs> straight from the Lord. Because what does that Scripture say in John chapter 1? There was a man sent from God. So basically, and it, the Bible does say, he said, I'm going He's in his mother's womb just kicking and, and, and uh, just getting ready to come out. Matter of fact, it says whenever Elizabeth heard the news that Jesus was in Mary's womb, the baby leaped with joy inside the womb. Last night, <clears throat> highly recommend, highly recommend, uh, Karen and I rented a movie and watched a movie called October Baby. If you've not seen it, rent it. If you buy movies, buy it. If you buy an extra, donate it to the library. A great movie concerning abortion and those kind of things. And probably more powerful than, than the stand the movie takes. Very biblical, very, very biblical movie, awesome movie. Um, is It's a story about forgiveness. One of the most powerful things on this planet right now. And probably one of the most underutilized things in our church and in our town and in our country is the power of forgiveness. Many, many people today in our church, in our town, in our county are living in bitterness because they will not forgive. And basically, so many people are fighting cancer, but there's, I guarantee you there's twice as many people fighting bitterness than there are cancer. I guarantee you. It is a cancer. Bitterness. Hanging on to anger. Animosity. Uh, some people would use the word hatred, but probably... They would consider that too strong, but it, but it is a type of it. So his ministry, his message was simply repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change your ways, stop what you're doing, turn about, go the other way, 180, turn around, I'm giving you a warning, don't go that way anymore. There's a whole bunch of ways you can say it. And John the Baptist said it that way. He Now, I want you to look at, first of all, I call, he was, you know, dealing with the introduction, dealing with that, a man of great doubt. And what was he doubting? He was doubting that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, first of all, he's a great man. And there's many great people. That, but, but guess what? John the Baptist, as great as he was, and he's called directly by God to do a great thing, but he was still a man. And he's in prison. And I imagine apparently he could have visitors at this prison. Some of the Bible scholars and students put him at the prison. One of those Herodian by Herod the Great, or Herod the Tetrarch really. And uh, he was in that prison right outside of the Dead Sea. There was a prison there. And apparently his disciples could go see him because he sent two of those guys, or ever how many exactly there were, and he sent those guys there. He sent two of his disciples, and he said, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Now, what was he doubting? Now, some people say, well, it was really uh, the John's disciples who were doubting. 
But that's not true. You know why? Because what does Jesus say in verse 4? Go tell John about all the great stuff that's happening. You know, in Isaiah, and I'll just mention these instead of turning over there and read them, but in Isaiah 29, 18, and also Isaiah 35, 5, and 6, it says, guess what? The blind people are seeing. Man, this is awesome. The lame are getting up off their beds. The dead are being raised. The deaf are hearing again. Folks, and why did Jesus perform miracles? Did He do it just to show off? No, He did miracles to prove that His Word was true and that He really was sent from God. And so, He was telling... And by the way, He doesn't say, I'm telling you guys, and you can mention it to John... No, he's saying, go tell John. Go show John. Tell him all about it. That I am the one. I'm the one. Alright? A couple of other things here. Is that uh, John, he started having doubts. And he really had a problem. Is Jesus' ministry real? Because imagine this, he's not seeing it. So he's in prison. At this time, obviously. And guess what he, he, he did? He sent the disciples. He says, go speak to Jesus. Now, he couldn't do it. But, you know, that's, that's the way we should do. If you've got a question about somebody, instead of John didn't ask around, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Guess what? He went straight to Jesus. And he talked to Jesus when he had a question about Jesus. Which is great. It's great for us. So even whenever we doubt, even whenever those things may uh, doubt us and we may be worried about it, go straight to the person and ask them. So this a man, who guess who did this, set the example for us, John the Baptist. And then Jesus goes into some rhetorical questions. And uh, he said in verse 6, of course, Blessed is he, whoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say, Now who's he speaking to? Right there out of John chapter 11, who's Jesus speaking to? He says He's speaking to everybody. Not just the disciples, but everybody. So the whole crowd is included in this conversation. He said, now, what'd y'all, when y'all first heard about John the Baptist, what did you go do? What Did you go to see a reed shaking in the wind? And this is a rhetorical question. In other words, the answer is already expected or known. No, you didn't really go out to see somebody just wavering. And you, because you knew this fellow, man, he was preaching so hard that he was making rocks cry out. Man, he's preaching and people are just saying, wow, I've never heard anything or seen anything like this. You didn't go to see a reed shaking in the wind. Also, what does it say? You didn't go out there expecting to see somebody clothed in soft, pillowy garments. What, how does it say it? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothes are in king's houses. But what would you go out to see? A prophet? Yea, I tell you, more than a prophet. He was more than a prophet. And so in looking at this here, what does it say about... You know, John the Baptist, his, he ate what? Honey and locust. It was allowed in the law to eat bugs. Certain bugs, you can turn over there, I think it's Leviticus 11.22. And um, it tells you that, you know, I remember one time, the very first time somebody ever offered me a chocolate-covered cricket. 
Try this chocolate-covered cricket. Any of, any of you ever heard of chocolate-covered insects? Yeah. How many of you have tried a chocolate-covered insect? Like this means yes. Nobody? Man, there's chocolate-covered insects. There's chocolate-covered ants. There's chocolate, you know. And so, but, you know, I can just imagine. Now it just really grosses us out. But that's, I mean, this, hey, T-bone steak. Yeah. You know, he's eating it, but they didn't go out there to see somebody eating grapes. <laughs> they didn't go out there. To, they went out there to see this fellow, and his reputation was all over. Then, then he started getting the Pharisees' attention. I mean, this fellow, he's got everybody's attention, and the Pharisees, well, everybody's, all the poor people are getting baptized by you. And so basically the preachers, the big uppity preachers of the Local pharisaical church went out to see John the Baptist and they said, well, I'll tell you what, I think I'd like to be baptized. He said, I ain't touching you with a ten-foot pole. That's the way we had talked. Okay? I ain't touching you with a ten-foot pole. If you want to get baptized by me, you're going to have to get saved, number one, friend, because you don't know squat. And it's number two, whenever you say you get saved, I've got to watch you for a little while. Did you know he did that? He said, I'm not baptizing you, and this is what it says in the King James Bible, until you show fruit of repentance. In other words, until I, I, don't, I just don't think you're real. So, man, he told it like it was. He didn't mess around. He, he said those Pharisees, those, those uppity people that came out to see a sideshow, and he said, y'all know that he meant business. Now, he goes on to say he's setting John up because notice what it keeps going to say. As he's reading, he's saying, you know, you didn't go out to see somebody that was just kind of flouncing around. That's verse um, uh, um, 7. You didn't go somebody out there that was dressed all prim and proper in a three-piece suit. No, he went out there. That's what, he was wearing overalls. <laughs> he's wearing working clothes. Wilderness clothes. He said, I tell you, he's more than a prophet. More than a prophet. Because guess what? He fulfilled God's Word. Verse 10. And notice verse 11. One of the highest compliments in the entire Bible is verse 11. And what does it say? Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, which tells me a couple of things. Number one, he did he did awesome, he did great, but guess what just previously happened to this? He also doubted. But folks, it doesn't matter how great of a preacher or person or Christian we say we are, we're going to have low points in our life. We're going to have moments of doubt. You're going to have times where you mess up. But whenever we do, whenever you and I mess up, there's something called forgiveness. There's something called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Can we forgive? Can we forgive? Jesus, the ultimate teacher of forgiveness. This man is verified. It goes on to talk about something here. It says, uh, <clears throat> now the, from the days of 
of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. If you have an NIV Bible, I hate to say that the the NIV says progressives uh, progresses uh, with authority or something like that. Bas- if you have an, basically the NIV Bible just is is totally wrong on this verse. So <laughs> I hate to put your NIV Bible to to light, but it's but I mean I looked at all the others too, the NAS, the New King James, the others. And they get it right, and uh, the rest of it. But this this verse is kind of a controversial verse. But all it means is it doesn't. There's no hidden meaning here, okay? There's no hidden meaning. But verse twelve is very sometimes controversial. It says here, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is being hit with violence, and violent. And guess where John the Baptist is? In prison. And matter of fact, matter of fact, just take your Bible, take your Bible, turn it a few pages to Matthew 17. I'm going to show you how it works. Matthew 17. <clears throat> Alright. And then uh, verse 10. Matthew 17, verse 10. This is all that verse means. This is all uh, Matthew 11, 12 means. Okay? When the disciples asked him, why then, I'm in Matthew 17, 11, I mean, skip 17, 10, why then say the scribes that Elias, come Elijah, must come first, or first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. Now, he's talking about John the Baptist because he was, his ministry was Elijah-like, alright? But I say unto you that Elias is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed or wanted to do. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. It says in verse 13, the disciples understood that he was talking about Elijah, but guess what they missed? And guess what they missed even until after Jesus was resurrected? They missed that he was going to suffer the same things as John the Baptist. Basically be arrested. And he was put in a dungeon or a prison for just a little while. And the holding man, they moved him back and forth. And he saw everybody and Caiaphas and Pilate and, and all the different ones and Herod. And then he finally, after, I mean, it didn't last very long because, they, you know, that high Passover was coming. So they had to crucify him and he had to die quickly. But here's the whole point. That all that means is, is since since all this new stuff started happening, John the Baptist coming along, he's preaching a new message. Jesus coming along, he's starting a new church and saying the law's fulfilled in me. And guess what? People are going to get angry. And when it says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, it means the violent is attacking the kingdom of heaven and the men that are leading it. And of course, that was John the Baptist and Jesus. And that's basically saying the same thing right there. Now, if you head back to Matthew chapter 11, hurry up and finish. Now, this fellow, think about it. And then it says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. In other words, he was the last of all the prophets to point people to Jesus. And then it says, it goes on to say this, for all the prophets, excuse me, verse 14, if you will receive it, this is Elias or Elijah, which was to come. Talking about fulfilling scripture in Malachi. He that hath ears, let him hear. Now, 
All right. I try my best to do what I can to keep y'all locked in for 30 minutes, okay? (laughs) But these last few verses is where I really want you to zero in. These last few verses talk about this generation. That's us. You know, that's where we're going to apply this. This is where we can take this. You say, well, Brother Michael, nice sermon about John the Baptist. That's cool. That's cool. But... What in the world does that have to do with me? Because, you know, you you can preach a lot of Bible stuff. Well, what do you do with it? That's a lot of good stuff. You know, forgiveness is great. This sermon really hadn't been about forgiveness. There's a lot in the Bible about forgiveness. But notice here, as it says in these last few verses of this section, all right, 16 through 19, Whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you. In other words, hey, we told you, and you've not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you've not lamented. Verse 16 and 17, basically this, nobody's listening to the message. Nobody's listening to the message. You come to church, and uh, I, mean, I was I was at I was visiting a church uh, the, here a good while back. See what was it? Was I preaching revival? I can't remember. And uh, <clears throat> I got tickled. There was somebody that was sitting up front, and they had a, had their their phone out and they was doing Facebook the whole time they was this preacher was preaching. I think I don't know if I was preaching or somebody else. And um, and I didn't say it, but I wanted to say I've got a good status update for you. <laughs> Put this in there. That's and or if you're tweeting, this is Twitterable. Is that a word? <laughs> and uh, put this in your tweet, okay? And uh, saying something like that that. Basically this, I was wondering, I was, you know, and some people can multitask. It was a lady, so ladies are very good at multitasking. Men are not, okay? We can't do more than one thing at one time. Just just hang that up, okay? If you can, you're a talented guy, all right? But we're one thing at a time, all right? Nobody's listening. That's what he's saying. Everybody, he said, we pipe the music. We've, lament, we've mourned the song, but nobody's paying any attention. He says this, notice this very quickly about, he says one verse about John the Baptist, one verse about himself. For John came eating, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, oh, fellas, man, he's crazy. He's demon-possessed. That's what, that must be the reason he acts that way. What did they say about Jesus? Oh, the Son of Man... And he hangs around. He he goes to fellowships, and you know who he fellowships with? He's a glutton, a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Well, what's the very last verse there? Or excuse me, sentence. But wisdom is justified of her children. You know what that means? You'll watch my life, and you'll see the fruit. John the Baptist was not perfect. But the fruit of his life is that he loved the Lord and he, he obeyed the Lord. 
What's Jesus? What, I mean, think about this. Think about this. What if you heard that Jesus is living in uh, Germany today? And he's healing people. You, you say, I'll believe it when I see it. Guess what they, guess what they, you know, that's what we'd say. You know, we'd just say, but guess what? That's what they also said when Jesus came along. This is crazy. This is, there is not. And then that, some of them even saw the signs. Now, obviously, Jesus is not living in Germany, but you know what? But that's, that's how far-fetched of an idea that is. That's how far-fetched of an idea they thought about Jesus. But when they saw the stuff, guess what? Uh, I had a preacher call me uh, this week. And there's this, uh, I don't know about, you can tell me about it after church, about uh, Arkansas law. But he was asking, he said, uh, Brother Michael, what do you think about uh, the Bible is being taught in Texas schools as a piece of literature and history? And basically, I said, well, as long as they're not just cutting it up and ripping pieces out of it, let them teach it as literature and history, because it is. It, it contains inspired literature and inspired history. It does. Let them teach it. They said, well, they're not teaching it as the Word of God, but I said it never stops being the Word of God. It all, and no matter, even if, even if an atheist teaches the Bible as a history to a bunch of other atheists, is still the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will still accompany the Word of God, even if an atheist is teaching it as history. I mean, a lost man can get up and preach the Gospel, and the lost man doesn't lead people to the Lord. The Word of God does. And the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I expressed to them. And so people may not be listening, but the Word of God is still the Word of God. And it's powerful. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, let's pray. Father, I thank You for this time to gather this morning. And I ask that You would just please help us to, to listen to Your Holy Spirit as You convict us and lead us in what to do. And Father, I pray that You would work in our hearts if there's... Anything we need to do, dear Lord, make it clear to us what you want us to do. Not, not what people want or what uh, the world may influence us, but what you want us to do. And Father, most of all, if there's somebody here this morning and they've never been saved, they don't know if they have a home in heaven that you would convict them of their need to repent and ask Jesus to be their Savior. Realizing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Forgive us of our sins in Jesus' name. Amen.